0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. This is Psalm 23.
1: The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good
0: morning. You guys are going to need to be seated because when I was sitting down just a second ago, I realized how short we looked down here. I was sitting right down there where Jason is. And uh, OK, so that's not so bad. That row is the worst. OK, so the rest of you, I don't look as short. I kept backing up. I'm, I am short, but I thought when I was sitting there, I couldn't even see Kim. So I was like, oh, man, you guys are just sitting there like you can see me, but you can't see me. So now that you're seating, seated, that's better. Uh, quick question for you guys. Has anyone ever had their fire alarms? You know that beeping thing? Has it ever happened during the middle of the day? Or is it just, no, literally, I've never heard them ever in the. Has anyone ever had that? The oh, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Except last night, pulled one out, changed the battery, kept beeping. So I just pulled it out of the wall. Then the next one went. I took them all out last night. And then this morning, I found out there was one I left downstairs, and that one started beeping. So I am very tired. So we are going to pray that somehow his message gets through this discombobulated messenger. Uh, Father God, um, this psalm, your message is so real and powerful. Give us ears to hear what you want us to hear this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this past uh, couple weeks, and and this is not abnormal, but um, I've I've seen a lot of shadows of death. And what I mean by that is I see this shadow fall over people that I love, that I care for, where there's just fear. And usually it's fear that hasn't yet happened. It's coming or they think it may come and then you just see it wash over their face. I have a good friend of mine who I was watching her next to her brother who's very sick right now and um, her eyes just started watering but it wasn't that. It was this, I could see this wave of fear. Like, what if I lose my brother? What if he's not here anymore? I had another friend of mine who can see the possibility of divorce coming. Very real. It's like a shadow over everything. And then the custody battle as has already been discussed. And so there's that fear of having to go through that. I have another friend uh, who is always fearful of not having enough money. This person has enough, but there's always that fear of, but what if? And so this person's always holding on tight, and, and you just see it, This this fear of what if there's not enough? These valleys are going to come. What we're looking at here is Psalm 23. We've been going through it the past few weeks. And here, this is what David said. King David said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We all are going to walk through that valley of the shadow of death. There's no way around it. It's part of life. But what does that mean? And in this, in this poem, in this love song that he writes to his God, in the dead center of is the most important part of the entire song. The thing that if we hear it and know it, that shadow gets lit up and disappears. But that doesn't take away away the fear necessarily because we are filled with it. But I want us to slow down and look a little bit more where this fear comes from and to define that fear a little bit better. When he talks about the valley of the shadow of death, Um, We need to realize that he, David, describes himself as a sheep. Talked about that. I've asked some of you to bring a sheep. You all let me down. thought social media, I've seen people raise. I mean, J.J. Watt raised $20 million for Houston via social media, and we can't get one sheep. (laughs) So you can't see the sheep here, but he describes himself as a sheep. And he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So he's describing himself as a sheep. And here's the thing about sheep. They are completely defenseless. They got nothing. So when they go through a valley, a valley like this, because that's the type of valley we're talking about. When a sheep goes through a valley like that, up in the top, there's going to be predators. Well, this sheep has no claws, no teeth of any significance, no strength. He's toast, she's toast. And so David is looking back at his life and says, that's me. Now, when he was younger, he thought he was all that. You remember when he was talking to uh, Saul, he says, let me take on Goliath, I got this guy. Dude, I used to be taking on lions, I'm all that, I'm invincible. But now as he's looking back at his life, he describes himself as a sheep. Because the older you get, the more you realize how fragile you are how vulnerable you are. In this valley that he's discussing, this makes no, when we hear about the valley of the shadow of death, the only time you ever hear this psalm is at a funeral. But David is alive when he's sharing it. This is a compass for how he's going to move forward because of what he's seen in his past. Because he's been through valleys like this in his life. He's been through situations like this. In a valley like this, You've got the predators hanging up high, or if that doesn't get you, then the rocks get you. But the biggest danger for a sheep, he wouldn't know it, because not only is he defenseless, but he's not smart, he's not cunning, he can't camouflage, the biggest risk is flooding. When the when the waters come through, that is the greatest danger in the Israel wilderness. And so he looks back and says, you know what? I thought I had it all together. I thought I could, but I don't know when things are coming, and when they come, I need to have the shepherd. And he's been there for me in the past. So when we talk about this shadow, this shadow that, if you're trying to figure out what is this shadow, what exactly are we talking about? I came up with a list of them. But before I show you the list, I want you to close your eyes and listen to this definition of fear. I was gonna put it up there, but I don't want you to be distracted by the slide. So close your eyes and listen to this definition of fear. Fear is a painful emotion caused by impending danger or evil. Fear is an unconscious reaction that is created by anxiety towards a condition that is commonly caused by undesirable occurrences of the past. It's a painful emotion caused by impending danger or evil. Do any of these shadows look familiar to you? I'm not going to read through the list. But do any of those look familiar to you? Maybe you're going through them now. Maybe you've been through them before. But when we talk about the shadow, it's cast from the future coming to you. So more so, the worst part is not going through the valley. It's knowing that the valley is going to come. And we try to cover it up sometimes. We try to numb ourselves. We try to toughen up. We try to control things. We all have our mechanisms for how we deal with fear. But we all know that we're going to have to go through it. Some of us try to go, no, it's never going to happen to me. One of my favorite situations um, was with a friend of mine from here at church. I won't roll him under the bus. I'll roll him under the bus later, but not this morning. And after I went through um, being on my deathbed up at UCLA and that whole experience, he said, I'm really glad you went through that so that I can learn from you. So that maybe God won't take me through that. And it's funny, but we all think that way, right? And we never think it will happen to us. No, no, my children are never going to get sick. They're never going to, what is that crazy sound? Eric, is that you? Come on, Eric. No, you're not going to roll him, are you? You can't even look, dude. Just just say, yeah, it's me. (laughs) So as I was going through it, I didn't know it was coming, but then I kept thinking, why me? Why is this happening to me? You know what I'm saying? Do you, what thing is it that, that you're thinking of that, that, that would never happen to me, so you try to cover it up? Maybe it's on this list. <laughs> Anyone technically brilliant here? Oh, Colin's trying to figure it out. Oh, we got the master on it. <laughs> so what we're going to do here, we can also store that for you if you need to. <laughs> We've got Stefan up there in the back. He can put it back there for you. <laughs> so here we go. We are going to look at David, and he knows this is coming, but I want you to hear why he can deal with this future valley, why he can look back and say, I will not be afraid. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I'm sitting here looking at my slides, and I'm thinking, did I actually put that scripture in here? No, but luckily, you memorized it right? I'm I'm not joking. You memorize it, right? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you knew that God was with you, how would you live life differently? David is looking back at his life. He used to do it on himself. Oh, don't worry about the lions and that. I could take care of that because I know what I'm doing, I've got control. And as we've talked about with David's life, it was a complete hot mess. And as he's looking back at this hot mess of a life, he looks back at his shepherd, his father, and say, "He was the one that rescued me, and I will not fear the next valley because you have to go through the valleys. There's no way around this. For God to get us to the higher ground, we have to go through the valleys to get there." Shepherds didn't go, "Hey, this looks like a great fun thing. Let's go through this adventure through the valley." No, there's a purpose to it. There's a purpose for our valleys. And there is that shadow of death and you're afraid of it. But when you go through it, you see life differently. So what was it about him? What was it about David when he discussed this rod and this staff? What is significant about that? I don't want us to breeze over that because he says, your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod, if you know what it is, you're you're thinking, how does that comfort you, David? You're a shepherd, you used a rod. You know what a rod is? It's an old tool that's being used. This is from ancient times. This is like way before David talked about this. And here's the image of the rod. Do you see it? It's a weapon. So the shepherd, when he goes out, he has two things. And then he has a little knapsack with some food and some water. So he has his, his setup and he's got his rod and his staff. And the rod is like a stick, as you can see. Sometimes it's shorter, sometimes it's longer. But it's used by the shepherd for several reasons. One, to defend against lions, predators, cougars, whatever else is out there that could possibly take on the sheep, he's there. And so that sheep has this comfort, the shepherd's got it, because I'm defenseless. Meow. I got nothing. It's like declawing a cat. What's the cat gonna do? Ooh, scary. Sheep's got nothing. But he knows that the shepherd has the rod. The rod was also used to kind of guide the sheep. Okay, push you over, push you over. The other thing it would do is if the sheep was going somewhere where it shouldn't, it would take the rod and go, and throw it at full speed, not necessarily hitting the sheep, but throwing it near the sheep because the sheep's scared of everything, and the sheep would just freeze. And this epic video I was going to show you, but I just couldn't do it because it was so sad, of these sheep just wandering out onto this little stone thing and just tumbling down. They do it all the time because they don't know any better. But if they have a shepherd there, the shepherd gets their attention and says, look, there's grass here. Why are you walking onto that slick rock cliff to grab that grass? doesn't have to do any verbal communication because the sheep wouldn't understand it, right? But the rod is like getting its attention. Stop. The other thing, and this is one of my favorite parts of what the rod does. They've got all this wool, right? And sometimes they have so much wool that they tip over. So to see if there's any cuts or any infections or bacteria or anything that would be unhealthy underneath all of this wool to get to the skin, he uses the rod. And he places it in to open it up so that he can examine his sheep to see if there's anything that needs to be taken care of, anointed, fixed. Moses had a rod. If you're imagining a little shepherd's crook, that's not what he had. Moses, who God chose, was actually a shepherd before he chose him. He was out in the wilderness and he said, look, you're going to free my people from Egypt. And we're going to use that rod. And so the rod in the Bible is a symbol of God's word, his authority. So for us, okay, great. God's rod. Woo! What does that mean? God's word for you. God's word should comfort you. So when you think of his rod comforting, it's for us, it's God's word. That's what he was referring to because God's word was there all through David's life. In fact, the most impressive time for me in David's life was when his best friend came up to him and was speaking to him and gave him this parable of this injustice that was done. And David, who's king, says, well, that guy needs to come up right now and that guy needs to answer for what he's done. And his best friend says, it was you, David. God has said it was you. Does he get defensive? No, because God's rod was there to direct, to comfort, to examine him. And as he examined him, he realized, David did, that he was sick. He was a mess. God created me a clean heart. Psalm 51 is his response to God's rod in his life. The other tool is a staff. And the staff has been around for ages. King Tut was considered the shepherd of Egypt. So you'll see there when he was buried, he, had, he was buried with a shepherd's crook, a staff. The staff for a shepherd with his sheep was used to comfort and to encourage. Um, sometimes if a sheep fell, Then he would use that, so let's say the sheep slid down the rock face and fell down, he would use that to pick them back up, fell into the water, pick them up. This tool is God's spirit to encourage. Sometimes if he was walking with a sheep and he saw that the mom was separated from the ewe, he would use it to grab the ewe and to bring it close to its mom, to bring that connection. What they couldn't do for themselves, what they couldn't figure out the Holy Spirit would do, he would come in and pull them together. And then probably the one that is, I'm most familiar with in my life is he would just walk with his sheep because a good shepherd loves his sheep. I don't know if I'd be a great shepherd. I'm not a huge fan of sheep, but if I was stuck with him all the time, I might. And sometimes I think that way with God. Why would you even put up with me? Why? I'm, I'm a mess. I mess up here. I mess up. Why would you even put up with me? And so the shepherd would take the staff and just touch as they're walking, you know, choose little sheep and just put it next to it. And that sheep, imagine that encouragement, like I'm not alone, he's here with me. Now, as we look at these passages, it's so easy to look at this and think this isn't real. Like this is about some shepherd and this is David who lived hundred years ago. My hope is, is for the next few minutes that we have left that I'd be able to communicate clearly that this is for Real that God hungers to be near you. More than anything, he loves you recklessly. And he knows about your fear. And he wants you to know that he is with you. You just need to surrender to him. We're gonna have these trials. There's just no way around it. In fact, this is what he says about it. Almighty God, right? Sorry. The Almighty God, right? You're not ready for that yet. You're not ready. You're not ready for that yet. In John 16, 33, he says, you will have trials, but do not be afraid for I have overcome them. You are going to have trials. Do you know that? There's no way around it. There is no way around these trials. They're coming, but they serve a purpose. So this particular video clip that we've um, started and stopped, we got you all teased. That's like our trailer. So we just showed you the trailer. Now I'm going to show you the actual clip. Um, I read the book a while ago. It's called The Shack. I read it, I think, in college or shortly after. And um, I liked it. I didn't love it. And my friends, a couple of my best friends said, you've got to watch the movie. I go, no, no, I read the book. I got a daughter now. Not too fun. Don't want to go through that. Because in the story, it's, it, the, the way this book came about, this man's wife said, look, I want you to write like five or six pages to your children to tell them all that you know about who God is. And so he started writing and he went way past five or six pages and ended up writing this book. And he just wrote it for his children. And then he showed it to his friends and they said, man, this is amazing. We've got to... So it turned into this book and it was everywhere. And so it's a metaphor. It's not a true story. But in the story... Um, This is a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen it, um, I didn't want to see the movie because of this part, because this man's daughter is kidnapped and murdered. And uh, his faith just completely falls apart. Like, where were you? I'm in this valley. And so what happens is is he sees God, but God presents himself to this man in a way that he can understand. And so he comes as the Holy Spirit, who's this... uh, Asian lady, he comes as Jesus, uh, who's this Persian man. And then the father, he actually comes as a mother. And then the guy's like, whoa, I thought God was a father. He said, you can't handle a man right now. (laughs) Not after everything that just happened. You need a mom. And so this clip, which is very short, is his anger with God. And so they have this conversation. So now I will show you the clip.
1: You're the Almighty God, right? Are who you say you are. Where were you when I needed you? Fine. When all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me.
0: That movie was recommended to me by my friends because they know. They were two of the people that were closest to me when I was dying up at UCLA. And um, God revealed that he's with me. We talk about these valleys. We talk about, yeah, like I'm not gonna be afraid. Well, I wasn't. And I was just as surprised as you are that I wasn't afraid. Because I came face to face with God's love. This movie, they recommended it to me because they said it speaks so clearly about God's reckless love for us. So if you haven't seen it, see it. You're lucky that the four minute clip that I tried to get to work, for some reason the sound didn't work because I was a crying mess last night watching it again. You just got 52 seconds. You can imagine what the other three minutes is like. Now you add on the whole other movie. But the reason it's so powerful to me is because I believe that's the way it is. I don't know if God presents himself as a woman and the Holy Spirit, some Asian lady. I don't don't know how the Trinity works. That's why it's a mystery. And that's why this man tried to put it in a metaphor to explain it to his children. That's not the point. In the movie, what it represents is what I experienced, that God loves you. And that perfect love casts out fear and you can handle anything. And as I was going through this Psalm and thinking through it, The craziest thing happened. As I looked at the rod and the staff, I realized those were the two most encouraging things to me as I looked, not at the possibility of dying. That wasn't my biggest fear. My biggest fear was leaving my wife and my children. That was my biggest fear. Branches, you guys would be fine. You don't need me. You have the Lord. But to my, I mean, she would have been a widow and my kids would have been, yeah, my dad died when I was 15, when I was 13, when I was nine. And that scared the crap out of me. And so as I sat there, the Lord showed up with his rod. It was one of the most amazing experiences. I couldn't speak because I had to trach in, so I'd have to write things down. I was writing scripture all the time, right, Steph? I was just writing scripture that would just come to my heart, my mind. It was like filling me. His word was present with me. To live is Christ, to die is gain. You'd think that'd be a time to like, hey, it's going to be okay, buddy. God loves you. You think I'd get some of those scriptures, right? But he's like, no, you're still here. And so to live is Christ. Live, even though you're barely breathing and you're here, you live for me. And it, it wasn't like, it was beautiful. It's like, yeah, that's why I'm here. That should be encouraging to all of us. When I was my weakest, had no words, God used me the most in people's lives. Not that I really want to go through that valley again, but if I do, I know that I will have no fear because he is with me. doesn't mean I'm going to like it. But notice that it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're meant to go through it. Not to camp out. Not to build a little cave house. Not to set up some beach chairs and put up an umbrella and just hang out there for a long time. It's temporary. But God will take us through it one way or another. There was no guarantee. God never guaranteed me You're gonna make it through this, buddy. Let me give you some scriptures. He gave me his word, things like Hebrews 10, 24. Let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. I mean, I look at my scribbled notes because that's all I could do. I couldn't talk, right? And all these scriptures that just came to my heart and mind because he used his rod to examine me, to comfort me, to guide me. And the other thing that he gave me Was his staff. I have never been closer to the Lord than I was during that time when I was in that valley. When I was in that valley, it was the clearest picture I have of God's presence and love. And when I say his love, I've tried so many times. I mean, this is basically the message I have for the rest of my life. I don't know how to say it clearly, but I'm gonna give it my best. It was waves of his love saying you are unconditionally loved. It wasn't words. It was this understanding. Oh, I'm just a sheep. I'm not good enough. I've messed up here. I've messed up like David looking back at his life. But David, when I read it now, I'm like, I know what he's saying. I know what David is saying when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And when he's with you, you will know that you are pure in his sight. Not because of anything you've done, but because of how he sees you and how he makes you. That's why we follow him. Not because we're supposed to. He doesn't love us because we do everything right. He loves us regardless. And then that sets us free to live the life that he's called us to. Because we know how much he loves us. And I kept hearing that at night and in the morning and during the day. he's with me. And as I've shared before, I I could see these shadows. Not particular faces. There was one face. (laughs) But these shadows of people. And they were you and they were my family and they were friends. And God was saying, they don't know how much I love them. They're so worried they're not doing the right things. But I still love them. So there's no way around it. You've got to go through the valley. But how would life look if you knew? You knew God was with you and you were listening for his rod and listening for his staff. We want you to be able to look back on your life and look forward into your life knowing that you have nothing to fear because he is with you. It's time to listen. Father God, I ask that you would guide us, that with these songs and these prayers, that you would take over because we need you. So we surrender to you, to your leadership, to you being our shepherd. In the name of Jesus, amen
1: many of you know that at the end of 2015 my dad died from ALS and it was sudden it was in the middle of the night on a Sunday it was at 3:42 in the morning on a Sunday and I stayed at my mom's house with my mom for several days and didn't get much sleep and by Thursday I'd come home and at that time I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old and it was Thursday and I was going to be speaking at my dad's service and um, it was Thursday, and his service was going to be that Saturday. And I hadn't written a word, and I had no clue what I was supposed to say. And I was starting to feel anxious about it. And lots of my dad's friends were coming, his work colleagues. Uh, There were going to be a lot of people there that were flying in. And it was Thursday night, and I was sitting on my bed with my open laptop in front of me and a blank screen, which is was producing more anxiety and my son had suddenly I mean I'm not kidding suddenly we had sat at dinner and all of a sudden I look at him and he's not looking right and I take his temperature and so this was right before I was sitting on my bed this has happened I took his temperature and it was 102 point something and I thought oh boy okay and so I got him into a lukewarm bath and I got him out and it was now 103 point something And I thought, okay, I'm going to call the on-call doctor. And so I was sitting on my bed with my son in a pack-and-play next to me, and he's very lethargic and hot, and I'm waiting for the doctor to call me back. My laptop is open, and there's nothing on the screen.
0: And I haven't slept in days.
1: And all of a sudden, downstairs, I hear my daughter start sneezing about ten times in a row. And I thought, I knew she's sick. And she comes upstairs and stands in the doorway of my bedroom and says, Mommy, I don't feel good. And I just, I mean, talk about being at the end of yourself, right? Like, my dad's dead, and there's nothing I can do about that. And now I have two really sick, like, urgently, horribly sick kids. And I just thought, what is going on? And I was in the valley of the shadow of literal death. And I thought it couldn't get worse until that came up. And I sat on my bed and I remember just looking out the doorway, past my daughter's head. I think for an answer of some sort. And I remember that this thought came to me. And I know that the Holy Spirit was teaching me something in this moment. And the thought that came was, Lord, this is okay with you, so let it be okay with me. Lord, you knew this was going to happen, all of this, this sequence of events, this is okay with you, so let it be okay with me. And what I learned is that we are in, when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, it is exactly what Boogie said. What do you do? What do you do? You keep on walking. When you are in hell, you do not make your bed there. You do not build a house there. You keep on walking. But the truth is that there cannot be a shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. There can never be a shadow without light. So So what what do you do do when you're in the valley of the shadow of death? You turn your your feet and your face and everything you've got, you turn it toward the light. And you walk toward the light by reading his word, by surrounding yourself with the people who are going to help carry you when you can't walk for yourself. My neighbor who lived next door was going to come to my dad's service, came over to my house and stayed with two horribly sick kids. And she has four boys of her own, and came over and stayed with my kids morning to morning night, tonight, so that I could go to my dad's service. That's a friend. And what I learned is that it's what Drew is saying. We're living in a world that is teaching us to be self-reliant. But when we read Psalm 23, the Lord is doing all of the work. You guide me in paths of righteousness. You lead me. You make me lie down. Your rod, your staff, The faster we can get to the end of ourselves and the end of our own self-reliance, the quicker God can enter in and do for us. That is the kind of God that we love and that we serve. He loved us first. And I just want to encourage you, if you are in a valley of a shadow of death or if you are in a place of discouragement right now, Find the way to get to the end of yourself fast so that he has space to enter in. I want to pray for us, and then we can go. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room, including myself, who need to get to the end of ourselves faster, Lord, the end of our self-reliance so that we can make space for you to enter in, Lord. Help us to be faster to say, Lord, if it's okay with you, then let it be okay with me. In my job, in my finances, in my marriage, with my children, whatever it might be, Lord, with a move, with change. Lord, we invite you to enter in. And we pray, Lord, for those affected by Harvey right now and for those who are being hit by Irma right now. Lord, I pray that people will return to you, that people will come to you for the first time. I pray that those of us who love you and know you will rise up and serve and help in any way that you ask us to. Lord, I pray that this would be the best of humanity in the worst of circumstances. Lord, I pray that we would rise up. Thank you for all that we have. Thank you for all that you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.